All right, we are continuing our conversation, and uh, yeah, a little little fun experiment of mine. Oh, Empire of Dreams, the greatest Star Wars documentary ever made. Here's here's what my experiment was. If you're just tuning in now, the previous two episodes they're all linked. This is the end of a three part series, you can call it, but the beginning of a giant Star Wars block leading into. Rise of Skywalker, a movie everyone's anticipating, but I sat down to watch this two and a half hour long documentary, and amongst those two and a half hours, I wrote down 230 points, and I wanted to share those with you, and uh, I started to record the first episode, uh, 262, and uh, that just kept going on forever, so I I did 75 on that episode. So I, I just said to myself, uh, I, I need to break this up. I, I, I cannot do an hour-long episode just, uh, you know, meandering around Star Wars. But anyway, you already hear that intro music. Let's get into episode 264 of the Audio Audacity. Audio, can I say it? Peter A. DeLucas, a.k.a. Pads, Audio Audacity Podcast. Uh, are you with me? Let's do this. I can't wait. Just uh, long time coming. A lot of work. Let's go. I apologize. Man, I, I was fumbling my words at the end of that. <laughs> hey, look, look. This, uh, it, it's a little bit stressful because reading, uh, going through a list and just talking to you, uh, blindly is, is, yeah, I hate to say it, it's a little bit stressful. It's a little bit tough. But at the, at the same time, at the end of the day, there's nothing I would rather be doing than talking to all of you because we're trying to remember uh, when Star Wars was great when Star Wars was cool, when Star Wars was awesome, when Star Wars was just enough geek before, uh, you know, I was in JCPenney today, or Macy's in Center City, Philadelphia, because that's, that's that's where your boy's coming from here, and uh, Levi just had, like, a huge, uh, like, Star Wars rollout there, I could, I could have, for $90, I could have bought a Darth Vader black denim jacket and i did debate it because i really thought the image of vader which is kind of like um iron iron would be awesome if it was uh de-stressed and it wasn't de-stressed it was like kind of new looking and shiny not really the right look when it comes to black denim you you want things on denim to be de-stressed for sure i hate new looking denim it never flies but anyway you know like there was a time where it star wars was just a movie uh, you got it from the rental store. You watched it. You talked about it. Uh, you remembered it as being the greatest trilogy of all time, having the best sequels, and uh, and that was before every single movie became a, a trilogy. Everything became a attempted trilogy. And I did address some of this in my previous block of the Terminator movies, where I feel like uh, when it comes to Terminator Salvation, Terminator Genesis. And uh, I even Rise of the Machines and probably the the new one. I haven't seen Dark Fate yet because it was in and out of theater so quick here in Philly. Is that they set those movies up to be a part one and they didn't pour everything into it. And, you know, like, it, I just feel like those movies would have been better if they were more packed with more juice, with more stuff. Uh, and I just feel like they hold back because they won in episode two and they won in episode three. They won three parts. And, you know, like we kind of saw some of this with The Matrix and Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, you know, somewhat failed trilogies. Uh, the Dark Knight 
Then The Dark Knight Rises, somewhat of a failed trilogy off of Batman Begins, because nobody likes Dark Knight Rises, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Star Wars was just something cool. And it was very geeky. It was very inside baseball. And that was okay. But now, uh, it's it's a li- it's it's too mainstream to be cool. Um, so this is where we have battle lines when it comes to criticism of what Disney is doing with the franchise uh, that they paid a lot of money for. Um, you know, people don't want it to be mainstream. They want it to be cool again, and they're not. The only way Star Wars is going to be cool is kind of what the main Mandalorian's been doing. Let's just do callbacks to the original three movies and. You know, give you slight deviations of exist, existing characters, and and we're just going to go with it, and cross our fingers. And Mandalorian did it. Um, I I feel like somewhat, uh, Force Awakens did it. Uh, and people don't give. You know, people have uh, already diminished Force Awakens over uh, Last Jedi. You know, people just hate Last Jedi. Uh, you know, Rogue One did it, and uh, you know, people again uh, knocked a lie that movie. I don't know. I like Force Awakens. I like Rogue One. I even like Solo. So, uh, you know, again, Peter, your your host over here being a major outlier. But let's get to these points. We're going to go through uh, some points that this documentary made about Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Now, here's the thing. The documentary was heavy on George Lucas and heavy on Star Wars. And the remainder, which is almost like 30 minutes per the rest of the movies... Uh, they allotted, you know, like, I feel like Empire Strikes Back should get, uh, as much time as Star Wars, but whatever, you know, I'm sure these people have budgets and time frames, <laughs> and you can't make a nine-hour documentary on, on, uh, on the original Star Wars trilogy, but anyway, let's, let's do this. We're going to 147, okay, 100, 146. Empire Strikes Back. Fox wanted a sequel. Uh, that was a part of one of the requests to Lucas. 147. Lucas used his Star Wars earnings to secure a bank loan to make Empire Strikes Back. 148. 25 million was the budget, twice of what Star Wars was. 140. 150. Lucas was giving a huge license to make. Empire Strikes Back, meaning people let Lucas do what he knew he wanted to do, what he had to do. 151, they kind of knew the movie was going to go dark. They knew that uh, Han and Leia were going to have a romance. These were some of the original um, ideas and direction of the story, and even even right down to the concept artwork. Because, you know, you guys got to draw Leia in some new gowns, make her look sexy for Han Solo. 152, Lucas had a company to run he could not direct okay so star wars has be has already became an engine you know this is like the walt disney-ness of lucas he couldn't he couldn't direct he had to get someone else he, he got irvin kershner to direct at 153 hired to direct episode strike episode strikes back esb uh and kershner originally said no 154 uh, it, so Kirshner's agent was like, you told George Lucas no, and Kirshner's like, look, you were, no, like we're not going to top Star Wars. Star Wars is Star Wars. I like, and then his agents like, do it. Are you crazy? So you know, he he needed a coaxing. One hundred and fifty-five, sixty-four sets were made 
uh, twice as much as Star Wars. 64 sets were made for Empire Strikes Back. 157. Uh, 156, I'm sorry. 156. Lucas and Empire Strikes uh, knew... And uh, part of Lucas's direction for Empire Strikes Back, like what his directives, was it had to be bigger, more complex, and better than Star Wars. Uh, he drove everyone to make ESB better because he 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 knew there was like a future within Star Wars, even beyond Empire Strikes Back. One fifty seven, Lucas said, "If Empire Strikes Back did not work." I can't make future Star Wars movies. So, you know, like, Lucas, even at this point, was thinking so far ahead. 158. Kirshner's smaller films emphasizing characters. Uh, Eyes of Laura Mars, you know, was a movie that he was involved in. I made a comic book series years ago called The Eyes of Asia. Um, you know, Eyes of Laura Mars is one of my favorite movies, and that's where I got some of my inspiration for that title from. 159. Gary Kurtz. Bigger budget, bigger problems. That's it. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back had twice as many problems as Star Wars. 160. Special effects. Uh, you know, some of it was like, look, you don't do snow. Uh, you can't maintain the color. You have to keep it at night. You have to keep it dark. And look what they did. You know, those halt scenes were beyond type, were beyond what they thought the technology could do at the time. Again, Star Wars making uh breaking barriers making headway 161 norway when they were shooting in norway for empire strikes back they had one of the worst winners in 50 years another trend within all of these productions 162 uh it was very easy to get lost in the snow uh you know your tracks would get uh covered up almost instantly so uh you know it was tricky it was tricky moving around the giant film set set in in the snow not safe 163 it was impossible to move around. Uh, at one time, they were snowed into a hotel. They could barely get the door open. They put the camera, okay, that we're going to 164. So they shot outside. They, they put this camera in the snow, Irving Kirshner. Everyone was inside warm, watching Mark Hamill in Luke Skywalker gear run away from the Wampa as uh, he escaped the cave. And, and it was just outside the hotel, and everyone was inside warm. 165. It wasn't until they hired and they found a talented painter, I'm sorry I couldn't get his name, uh, for ILM to help uh, emphasize and sell the realism of the backgrounds. And this is was a key part in the ADAT animation sequence. 166. Lando is introduced, and, and here, here's a little bit of my insight, you know, based on what Billy D. Williams, how we talked about the character in this documentary. Lena was a complete character, uh, and you know, and he's over the top, and he he is a Star Wars character. Like, and people don't look at Lando as a Star Wars character; they always look at the aliens. But Lando, uh, where he is in his frame within that movie, is completely Star Wars. That is why Lando is so enduring. That's why people love Lando. One sixty-seven, we have a new villain, Boba Fett. One sixty-eight. I love you, I know, was something that they shot. It was take after take, uh, and then they decided to, to shoot that quick. They they sped it up, and they, they nailed it, and that's the take that's in the movie. The other takes didn't fit. Um, Yoda, the creation of Yoda, <laughs> was modeled after 
one of the the um, designers and uh, Stewart. His his Stewart Treborn was the designer of Yoda, and he wanted to emphasize Yoda's intelligence, so he copied the wrinkles of Albert Einstein. Uh, you know, sculpted the wrinkles of Albert Einstein onto the Yoda model to make him look intelligent. I, that's 169 is my the favorite point of all of this, really is. Because I'm a huge Einstein guy. 170, Frank Oz, the puppeteer of Yoda. 171, Yoda could only walk a little bit at a time. It was very tough to get Yoda to take more than a few steps. 172, Yoda pu- puppeteered uh, from under the the floor and he had multiple uh cable operators and you know more than one person was involved with the Yoda performance even though frank oz was working the mouth and doing the voice 173 yoda was a fine line between working and looking completely stupid on on film 174 for weeks on end hamill was the only person on the call sheet when they were filming the Dagobah system, <laughs> where they were filming the Dagobah sequence, the only person, 175. Um, just the documentary showed one of my all-time favorite lines from Star Wars, where Yoda resurrects Yoda's uh, Rogue Five, right? I think it's Rogue Five, X-wing fighter, and 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 you know Luke's in awe at the power of Yoda and the power of the Force, and he goes, "I do not believe it," and Yoda. Fires back, and that is why you fail. And one, the best line, I honestly got best line in all, all of Star Wars. Steve Gawley, 176, described in the documentary how difficult it was to design asteroids for the uh, the meteor or the asteroid sequence where the Falcon's escaping. Uh, for some of the far away asteroids, they actually use potatoes. 177. Uh, Lucas realized that the production was not moving fast enough for Empire Strikes Back. 178. Em- Empire Strikes Back is over time, over budget. Lucas was out of money. He had to get more. 180. New credit manager <laughs> came on board. I think it was Bank of America. Came on board with new rules. He offered to pull the money. They were going to lose their loan. And they wanted to be paid back. And uh, this is all. That, you know when this happens. You have to make payroll. And they, they struggle to make a $1 million payroll. By Friday. 181. Independents don't have the financial resources. That big studios have. This was part of the growing pains. Of Empire Strikes Back. So things were not easy street. Post the original Star Wars movie being a hit. Uh, very similar to Disney and the and uh, Snow White becoming big. Uh, you know, the two have amazing parallels. Um, uh, the bank had the rights. 182, the bank had the rights uh, for uh, Empire Strikes Back because they were giving the loan. So Lucas decided to work things out with them and, and he gave the bank a little bit more money, gave them more points. Uh, in fear that they were going to sell it back to Fox, and Fox was going to purchase all the rights for Empire Strikes Back out of Lucas's control. Um, but that was some savvy business there. One eighty-four. Lucas paid money for licensing more points. Okay, uh, keep that in mind. You know, uh, at this point, there was uh, a lot of one percent 
things that were valuable that Lucas was able to be around to get Empire Strikes Back made. Again, sacrificing. Sacrificing a lot of money to make a movie. Um, you know, this is part of the game. 184, Empire Strikes Back, secretly. Um, secretly. A few people knew the reveal of Vader being Luke's father. Only a few people knew. 185. The script had false pages. Uh, not revealing, uh, you know, the big, the big reveal, <laughs> Luke being, uh, you know, Vader's son. 186, James Earl Jones did not believe what the reveal was. Uh, <laughs> he wanted to see how they were going to play out Vader lying to Luke about being his father. 187, Kirshner went beyond Star Wars. He thought the movie uh, you know, somewhat was coming together, and and I just love that term that the Empire Strikes Back went beyond Star Wars. Um, he looked at that movie as a second movement within a symphony, uh, leading to a emotional climax. Uh, he he described Empire Strikes Back as being climax less, and yeah, I watched that recently, and and he did pretty much nail that. That's a great analysis. 188, Empire Strikes Back was released May 21st, 1980. 189, within three months, Lucas recovered his investment. 190, up to this point, sequels were always a disappointment. Again, game changer. 191, Episode Strikes Back. <laughs> the Empire Strikes Back, profits shared, uh, uh, you know, okay. George Lucas shared the profits of Empire Strikes Back. He gave away $5 million in bonuses. Wonderful point there, 191. 192. Even after Empire Strikes Back, Lucasfilm was still a startup. Again, not success, not very clear. 191. Lucas explained the Skywalker Ranch and a series of other companies. Lucas built <laughs> Skywalker Ranch off of Lucas Valley Road. 194. 195. Lucas Arts, THX, ILM, and Skywalker Sound were these companies formed uh, at this time. 196. Lucas wanted uh, the credits to come after the film. And they were fine with this. You know, the guild and all these other a holes, they were fine with it for Star Wars, not fine with it for Empire Strikes Back. 197. Uh, was 197 they were fine with it with star wars and they they had a grievance with it for empire strikes back 198 the g the dga went after kirshner for a quarter of a million dollars for violations on on, on some of this stuff 199 lucas dropped out of the guilds and paid kirshner's fine you know he, he protected kirshner 200 alan Ladd jr fired over star wars deal Right, Fox was pissed they weren't getting more money off of Star Wars, so they fired the guy that <laughs> created Star Wars for Fox. Uh, how, how's that going for you? Uh, 201. Lad out, Lucas went to Paramount for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, Fox could have had Raiders of the Lost Ark, but nope. It doesn't matter. Disney has it all now. Uh, two th uh, 202. The money spent was to... Um, secure their independence again a lot of money spent okay we're uh 203 we're going we're hitting return of the jedi uh so the original title for return of the jedi for 203 was revenge of the jedi 
uh, you know, Lucas was like, oh, I'm thinking about return. And people were like, no, you idiot. And Lucas is like, okay, revenge. 205. Uh, 204. Uh, Shine London, California, and RLM. Uh, return of the Jedi was very spread out. This is stressful. 205. Uh, his first choice for directing Return of the Jedi was George Lucas, but George Lucas was a part of the guild and could not work non-guild, could could not be hired. 206. Ford wanted to, to Solo to die, and Solo's reasons for this is 207. He had no, no story responsibilities. Very much makes sense. And again, I back uh, Force Awakens killing Solo because he really had no function. 2. 108. Lawrence uh, Kasdan thought someone should die early in the third act. The writer. You know, they wanted to hide in the stakes. Uh, 209. Jim Bloom uh, came up with the idea of calling the movie Blue Harvest to hide interest in the movie. And, uh, you know, this became legendary. This became a, a part of Star Wars lore. Um, Family Guy references this in their Star Wars episodes. 210. The Jedi expanded the cast of character. The Jedi expanded the cast of characters, and I say this because you know that's the, one of the intent of these Star Wars movies. You're, you're we're always supposed to be introduced to new things and new characters. Um, Two hundred and eleven. Jabba the Hutt. That simple. Jabba the Hutt to me is one of the most original. Is maybe more original for film than Darth Vader. I'm sorry. Two hundred thirteen. Filled tidbit. Uh, described the rancor as uh, a, as a bear and a potato. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Your 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 special effects genius guy is 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 basically trashing the rancor monster. Which, in reflection, the rancor monster doesn't have a uh, extra intelligent design. He he does look like a little bit of of a blob or like a paper bag. But anyway. 214. Um, the stop and go animation did not work for the Rancor monster. And so they used a high speed puppet. Um, you know, and they shot it a certain way. And that was the, uh, they shot it a certain way. And that was the trick to fake and mimic the scale and the movements of the Rancor monster. Uh, I just thought that was cool. 215. Richard Marquade, our director, uh, in experience and special effects, never really worked with him. 216. Lucas had to be there nearly every single day of the shoot. He actually shot a lot of second unit for Return of the Jedi. This probably helped um, you know, Mark Quaid a big deal. 219. Warwick Davis's grandmother heard a radio advertisement looking for little people. He later became wicked. 210. Davis was given Wicked after Kenny Baker got food poisoning. Kenny Baker is our performer for R2-D2 and R.I.P. Kenny Baker. 221. Davis was 11 years old acting opposite Carrie Fisher. He was only a kid, which is amazing. 210. Wicked's movements were from Warwick Davis mimicking his dog's movements. You know, like curiosity, turning his head, so on and so forth. 213. Returning the Jedi... With the, uh, with the Ewoks represented the will of the people. If the will is strong enough, they win. That's uh, Lawrence Kasdan. That's, that's how they viewed the Ewok battle. 224. Days before release, Lucas went back to calling the movie Return of the Jedi because Jedis cannot have revenge. This is the expansion of the lore. Merchandise, some merchandise was made. Posters were printed. Ads were, were run calling this movie Return of the Jedi, this added to the Star Wars lore. 
225, Wednesday, May 25th, 1983, Return of the Jedi is released. 226, 2.6 million the first day. This was the biggest first day opening at the time in movie history, beating its closest competitor by $1 million. 227, Lucas got a divorce shortly after Return of the Jedi. The movie broke his family. Uh, kind of heartbreaking there. Uh, you know, 228. Lucas, with profits, uh, rolled them back into his companies. Uh, again, you made three huge, huge successful movies. You've, you've made Indiana Jones. You've done these things, and you're still not there. Keep that in mind. Three globally epic movies. Tons of merchandise. Okay, you created a ton of careers for people. You've done all these things perfectly. And you sacrificed everything. And still, you're still like someone of, of, of a startup. 229, we're almost there. 1985, computer creator. Uh, oh, <laughs> within this time, uh, to, number. let's restart this. 229, 1985, um... The Pixar computer is created uh, within Lucas Studios. The Pixar computer became Pixar, the company later bought by Steve Jobs and Apple. So, and then later rebought by Disney. So, it, the, all this goes just goes back to Disney. <laughs> that was tough. And 1993, Lucas said digital technology caught up with Star Wars. Then he decided to make the special edition. So he, and I do believe that's true because. Uh, I, the special editions don't bother me, and uh, that's really unpopular. You know, Greedo shooting first. If you watch Solo, Solo isn't a piece of crap in Solo. He's more of a victim, so we wouldn't buy him cold heart killing someone in New Hope, but whatever. That's a whole other thing. So those are your 230 points of Empire Dreams, the 204 documentary made by, by Kevin Burns. This is the greatest Star Wars documentary ever made. Um, quick criticism. I'm very disappointed that Return of the Jedi came in so light. And the information was... It was hard to to get some of it out of the documentary. It sucks. But hey, hey, hey. Everyone. Um, wow. 26 minutes in. I love you. And we're going to talk Star Wars and New Hope next. We're going to go right to the source material. And it will be the special edition. I, You know, whatever. It is what it is. Deal with it. Talk to you later, everyone. I love you.